welcome back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Ruba. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And today we want to welcome back a special guest, Chidi Okudire. Chidi? Hi. Nice to be here once again. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for coming. Uh, we wanted to have you back because you have been doing, uh, you've conducted a little survey in the NetSuite community about certification, and that's a really common topic perhaps of debate within the community of is it worth it how difficult is it and that sort of thing so we really wanted to, to get your insights on that survey and i'd like to start with sort of why you decided to conduct this survey yeah that's that's a good question indeed a good starting point so um when i was on the show the last time i think i'm we talked a bit about uh, certification and uh, I, I think I mentioned at that point that I was thinking of getting the ERP consultant certification, which I did in December. And as I started preparing for that, um, I, I don't know, coincidentally, or maybe because I was you know, preparing for it, I just started noticing this post on LinkedIn pretty much every day, a couple of them, people just you know, like posting their certification, which is fine. But then a new variant where people were posting stuff and saying they became certified, and the first time I thought, oh, maybe that's certified. The person made a mistake, but it it suddenly it became clearer that there's there's this this move to have like all the possible certifications, right. and and so it caught my attention because I was busy preparing obviously for one, but then um, at a point I, I I started asking myself, but what's really interesting about this? So it, I mean, I I'm like, okay. I want to understand what's happening. And so in the process of preparing for my exam, taking my exam and, and contemplating how to like start a conversation, I first thought I'll just do a few blog articles on, on I share my views uh, because I have opinions. That's something I'm going to be clear about. I'm not completely neutral. I have my own opinions on this. But then I thought, well, instead of just share my opinions, um, which are what they are, um, how about complement that with what the community thinks because that will provide at least a more balanced picture than just me saying what I think and going my way and that's pretty much how the survey was born I thought well I'll just try it out and see how it goes and how did it go well good um, it has taught me that writing every week is not is not is not for me at least not at this point at least <laughs> <laughs> because that's also one of the other things I try to do. Say, well, I'm going to just choose one day in the week and I'm going to say something about certification. I mean, I, I, I do my usual network insights pretty much every other week, twice a right. month. Or, uh, but taking it that extra week uh, proved the, uh, to, be, to be quite a challenge. I survived, uh, but it wasn't uh, as rosy as I thought it would be. So that's one thing I learned about myself. And in terms of the survey itself, so... Um, I was also using it to kind of find ways to engage with the community because I'm trying to reach out to the community. It's sometimes hard for me to tell like what triggers people. Are they interested in this kind of stuff? So I was like going on LinkedIn, trying to use the avenues I already have to see if people would participate on the Slack, Slack channel. And I must say the reaction has been similar to what I've gotten from the beginning where it's like, I think people are actually seeing what you're doing, but most times they're not responding. <laughs> Right, so yeah. um, at first I was wondering, do they see it? But now I'm kind of convinced that people do see stuff, but either because maybe they're not interested or they don't have time, or I don't know what, I can, I don't want to uh, place any interpretation on it, but um, I was hoping for more responses because I feel, I feel like the community is um, quite large. Um, right now we see that 237 responses, so that's decent. For, yeah. for for what it is but i was i mean i was dreaming big just because i had no reference so i said well let's see if we can get a thousand uh, we're way off that obviously <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that's still a pretty good seems like a sizable result set yeah yeah so chidi for the people who did respond what percentage had certifications and what percentage didn't or doesn't Yes, so that's a good question. I have actually the results here with me. By the way, we'll be sharing the results tomorrow for those who sign up. And at some point later on, I guess it will be publicly available. But to answer your question, 54%, 55% have at least one certification and 45% do not. 
That's so a pretty good split. split. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle. Nice. Was there? I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, but from what you've seen with the responses and I guess sort of analyzing things, is there anything that surprised you besides just you know not getting more um, you know responses in general from the ones that you did get? Is there anything that was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that? Um, not really, uh, to be honest. So, in the sense that I kind of got a mix of both extremes and, and people in between, which was kind of what I was expecting. So I didn't expect everybody would think the same way I think about certification or the exact opposite way. Uh, and what I've seen is you have people who are saying, oh, this is great. It shows that you're an expert. And you have people who are saying like, who came up with this? Stop it. It's a waste of time. Those are like the two extremes. And those who are in between, not quite sure uh, about, about, about like the value or I mean, whether they should be certified or not. Um, one thing, though, that I found interesting is, obviously, it's, it's a known concept. The question you ask determines to an extent the answer. Uh, and one of the, the things that is, is, is quite common, and I think made popular by the yearly Anderson Frank uh, Netflix survey, is the link between certification and salary increase or whatever wage increase or rate increase. Um, so for the past two, three years, I look back at the reports from Anderson Frank, and it's, they've reported for the past two or three years that 50% of those who are certified um, did report uh, a wage increase. And, and that's something I've wondered about, like, is this a causal effect? Uh, is, a, is this a causal relationship? Is it just coincidence? And so in this survey, I did ask and try to drill down to say, okay, okay, what do you think? I mean, how do you, do you think it's related to your the fact that you got certified? And I found the results interesting in the sense that if you sum up the responses that re reported a wage increase, you still come up about that 50%. But when you drill down, you see that only 13% or 14% rounded up say they did get a wage increase and it was largely due to the fact that it got certified. So that means there were other people who said, I got a wage increase, but I would have gotten it anyways, uh, whether, I got whether or not I got certified, that's like 12%. Um, and you have another 10% that say, well, I'm not sure if my certification played a role. I did get an increase, but I'm not sure if it played a role. And, and then you had another 10% that said, um, I, I'm still pending um, annual review and I expect it to play a role. So basically that just helps me put things in perspective. So by asking that question, how did you get a salary increase and did you get certified? I'm kind of uh, making conclusions. We, we probably have given incorrect facts over the last few years. And that's some people's hopes maybe who were counting on certification as a way to go up. Not saying that it's not possible, I'm not saying it's not happening, but at mm -hmm. least drilling down has kind of helped me see that there's more nuance to it. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder, are there any, so based on sort of what you've seen or what you found, although maybe it wasn't surprising or anything, are there any like follow-ups that the, the results have, have prompted or any additional questions you've thought of that either you're thinking, oh, I should have asked that, or, uh, you know, like I said, following up and asking more questions. Yeah, that's a good one. So things that I wish I asked, not really, um, but for me, some of the thing that this survey helped me see, which really I had questions about, was that people actually fill these exams. Maybe that sounds strange for me to say, but um, the reason why I say so is, I, I mean, all the exams, all the certifications I got, I was fortunate to pass each one on my first attempt. Mm -hmm. But I, at, at the time I clicked the submit button, I was pretty, it was just like a driving test for me. Like, it could go either way. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm, I'm kind of okay, but it could go either way. So at the point I said, wondering, does, does anybody actually fill this exam or does NetSuite just kind of take your money and, and you know, just pass you around the <laughs> So one of the things yeah. that I found interesting early already in the process was that people did say some people have taken some of the exams two or three times. And that doesn't say anything about the quality, obviously, right? But it just says that um, if, if someone is considering getting certified, 
um, just being a NetSuite expert or working in the space for so many years it doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, that's also one of the comments uh, people who have left or more people who have left. Like, I mean, someone might pass the exam but not know anything about NetSuite or know very little about NetSuite. And the opposite is also um, very true that people who have been working with NetSuite and kind of know the platform in and out, uh, inside out, might still not pass the exam just because, well, it's an exam and right. for what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. I have several certifications or had, they've all, they've all since uh, elapsed or expired. Um, but I, I did pass them all the first time. However, every single one, when I clicked that submit button, I was like, I'm not really sure. I have no idea where, where I fall. Because there's so much on all of them, there is so much uh, rote memorization, especially on the the less technical ones, like the foundation one especially, yeah. is like, how do you navigate to this particular screen in the default, you know, sales center or something like that? <laughs> this crazy, crazy amount of rote memorization that really has no bearing on your actual knowledge or skills with this, how to of how to apply the system. That's yeah. What's, because of there's such a high volume of those types of questions, you just have no idea. And because they don't tell you the passing mark, uh, they tell you how many you get right, but they don't really tell you how many you need to pass. Every single time I submitted that or that exam, it was like, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that point of, of not expo I mean, uh, publishing the passing mark. So one of the things this has done for me too is obviously, as I prepare for those articles every every week, I had to do some research and some reflection, like what actually makes certification program good or solid, right? Sure, I mean, yeah. you, you, there are a few things you can you can think about, and I'm sure that list is not exhaustive, but um, I just think the fact that NetSuite doesn't publish the, the pass marks just makes the whole program weak because... Um, Let's let's look at it. Let's look at it from different points of view. I, as a as, as a person who took the exam, I passed, but I have no clue did I pass because the pass mark is fifty percent that I got fifty one, or did I pass with eighty and the pass mark is seventy? It doesn't give me any reference to to really say okay how well did I do, right. and if someone on the other side like an employer or a recruit, recruiter is is using certification as a criterion to to filter people out, which apparently happens a lot. On what basis are you saying someone is better than the other? Because you don't know what that thing is worth. Nobody, even the one who has published it, is not telling you what it's worth. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it just makes the whole program weak. And we, and I don't see why Netflix would want to do that. Really, like, what do you gain by making it private? And so that's one of the things that I reflected. And I thought that there are a few things like that have made the program a bit, even if the intention is good, it just makes it. Um, even if everything else was perfect, it would just make it less solid uh, and I think that's just a uh, pity really yeah I agree yeah first and I know I've said this before like the certification topic is something that comes up often in our episodes and I, and so I think that's interesting in and of itself you know it is definitely a hot topic in the community um, but as someone who doesn't have the cert any certifications, who's been through a lot of the official NetSuite training, um, you know, when I hear comments, like I hear from the two of you and from other people that I've talked to and that we've even had on, you know, on the podcast, um, it's, it, you know, it kind of puts a weird uh, spin on it. Like, I don't know whether it even makes sense to pursue the certifications you know, Eric, you and I have talked, you know, offline about that before. And I've said to you, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm going to give it a go, but I'm really going to study, you know, and, and your, I think your general advice to me was I almost like, yeah, study, but don't kill yourself to do it because, you know, like, what would you study? You know, it's in I, just based on what GD just said, and, and you, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, reiterated it. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what I would study. You know, it's go back through all my notes from the training and poke around in, you know, the corners of, of NetSuite that I'm not normally in, especially as a developer. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I guess to kind of like, just like totally close that thought, like, you know, even if I took the exam and whether I passed or failed, I don't know coming out of it, uh, whether I'd feel like, 
it was worth it or worth trying again if I failed it or, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird thing because it's such an important topic in this, in our space. So. Yeah. So I, one of the things I looked at was, okay, what's the intrinsic value of certification, which we've, touch, we've touched on uh, a bit and what's the perceived value of certification. And so I think that's where that's what makes the makes it still a hot topic that there's this perception, not just in the Netflix space really, but in, it's more IT broad. But I think even beyond that, where I mean, just having your name on a piece of paper issued by someone has a weight that that whether it's right or wrong, people just kind of value it. And I think that's what's hap- what's what we see in Netflix as uh, the Netflix space as well, where I mean. People are asking for it because they feel like if you got it, then um, then you sh- you're likely to be better than someone else, or they feel like okay, I have so many applicants, I don't have time to filter, so let's just put that certification filter on it, and we'll drop a few. So there's something to say about the uh, the perceived value, uh, but for someone who has been in the space, someone who is established, I mean, if someone mentions either of your names, I mean, lots of people in the community already know who you are. I would, I would argue that certification will add nothing to you really because um, it's not going to get you uh, a better job. It's not going to get you a better contract or a better project. You're already established. But for someone who is studying, who is like trying to get into the space and is you know trying to distinguish themselves, unfortunately, because certification has this perception of being something, um, it could give you an edge. It could just get you, you know, into that list, that second uh, second stage of the interview, or even maybe the first stage of the of the recruitment process, because people are using it like that. But the way, what what I mean, everyone needs to get clear in your mind is the fact that you got certified. So, like, I got the ERP one in December, but I'm not under the illusion that I'm now some kind of consultant expert or anything like that. I mean, that's where you shouldn't get it wrong. Like that, you have that piece of paper shouldn't don't attach too much value to it because even though the others attach value to it, the environment attach value to it really is not worth too much. So um, go get it if you if you think it will get you get you somewhere, but especially while you're trying to get it, make sure that you're getting some relevant knowledge. Like don't just think of getting to to, um, passing the exam because there are tricks to pass any exam. I mean, I've learned that you can pass pretty much any exam if you know the techniques of passing exams, but um, the knowledge you get is what would would, would move you beyond the door, let's say. (laughs) I think even that is very valuable insight. And, you know, thanks for sharing that because again, for somebody who doesn't have them, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. And it just seems weird that we're in that sort of predicament of, you know, again, like it's such such a hot topic and yet, you know, I guess the, the question is, should it be? You know, it's like we're, we've given too much weight to it. Um, so it's really interesting. Are there, is there anything else like from the survey that like even for you personally, um, you know, that, you know, it, that it revealed to you that, you know, either again, like was not what you were expecting or was and made you feel good about the fact that you were right, <laughs> you know, going into it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so one more thing I'm just looking through here. One more thing that um, was kind of surprising to me uh, was the question about what resources people use to prepare. So, I, I mean, I, I had a question for those who are not yet certified who, I mean, and the question was, what resources are you planning to use? But for those who are already certified, the top three resources um, were basically taking the sample exams, which is something I recommend as well. So NetSuite has a sample exam for each of the um, for each of the certification tracks, and it just gives you a flavor of what kind of questions they are. So you'd see this kind of questions that that Eric pointed out a, a moment ago, where you're like, okay, they ask this kind of stuff on the exam. Okay, so I need to start checking my menus, even though it's crazy. Um, so that's that was a top resource. Like 69% of those who did get certified said they they did. They took the exam for the exam, um, the sample test for the exam they were preparing to to take, and then the next one was that they looked at the relevant study guides, which would really tell you like for this topic, these are the things you need to watch out for. Um, those two make sense to me, but what I didn't really expect was that a lot of people said, 61% to be precise, said they used um, the help center and sweet answers a lot while preparing, and. For me, in my experience, was the opposite because the help center is so massive that 
you start looking at something and before you know it, you're down a rabbit hole because there are a million and one links on that page that are giving you some more detail. And I mean, I, I remember starting doing that and at some point my head was exploding because it was just so much information and I couldn't like focus and tell which is relevant now for what I'm preparing for versus just, you know, like trying to know everything next week. So I was expecting that less people, I mean, more people will have that experience, but it turns out that apparently um, a lot of folks found a way to navigate, maybe by combining that with the, with the study guide, which is something I didn't really do. I just went into the street and threw myself in there and, uh, and I got stuck. Uh, so I found out quite, uh, quite interesting. And what I was expecting was that more people would go for the paid courses because that, that's what worked for me, really. I, I got this um, annual pass. I was fortunate to get the annual pass, which is not the cheapest, but um, it kind of opens up, I mean, gives you access to all, all the on-demand courses Netflix has. And I kind of had the time over a year to take those courses and acquire knowledge, but also it helped me prepare for the exams because I kind of had a sense of what's the broad picture, you know, instead of going to Sweet Answers and or, or the help center and getting lost. But apparently less people, just 39% said they, they, they followed those courses, those paid courses, but more people went into the help center. So um, I guess different strokes for different folks, uh, but that was a bit surprising to me. Yeah, that is interesting. I can't imagine really using, you know, the help center to study. It's one thing to like realize as you're going through your studying, you know, whether it's through the study guide or the sample exam, that you don't know something and you look it up, that maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. But in other words, being very specific about what they're spending their time in, in there, you know, trying to find. But I can see where you could easily end up just you know, getting all wrapped up and going down rabbit holes, using it to actually study, you know, which is yeah. also, you know, it brings up the whole thing of like asking questions that are just pure memorization, you know, like that's what help is for, right? Like why memorize something like that? If you could just, with, you know, a couple of clicks, look yeah. something like that up. So yeah, so that's also something like, okay, it's easy to criticize and say, well, NetSuite could do a better job. But I was also reflecting for myself and saying, well, suppose NetSuite were to start all over uh, or they were to ask me, which they wouldn't probably, but okay, what do you think? How do we do this differently, right? What, what would be a better way? And um, I came up with two alternative parts. One of them is to say, we go the way of, um, other like Celigo does, for instance, just give free courses, give free environments, let people play with the system, get to know the system, don't add any like weight to the certification itself. So people get Celigo certificates by just watching a few videos and clicking around, but they get the knowledge, right? And so basically forget about this paid, this paid uh, certifications and focus more on exposing people to the system so that they get the knowledge. And, and let people evaluate them based on knowledge they have. That's that's one way. And I think that's a powerful way which other vendors seem to do effectively. The other way will be to say, if you want to make um, certification something and you want it to be this, you know, like differentiator, then Nesbitt is so complex and so vast that you don't have to um, resort to basically who memorizes more than the other. First of all, in real life, when you're working NetSuite, you never have situations where, you know, you have 10 seconds to answer the question. You, you have real problems from real people that you have to think about, that you have to synthesize information you have from different sources to come up with a solution. So in my mind, if we were to do certification, especially beyond that Sweet Foundation, maybe you can argue for Sweet Foundation, you want to you really just test broad, but everything else, I would expect like an open book format where you say, you know what? go and use anything you want because the answers are not there really. Um, because in real life, when I'm working my day job, the answers are not always there. I have to sit down and look for different pieces and bring them together, whether it's a script and a workflow and whatever it is to, to get to a solution. So if you want to distinguish who is good, then I would expect the, the certification track would, would also go in that direction. So maybe take home exam, like you take your time or open book exam that is timed, but ask questions that are not um, based on what you can memorize, but more solving real problems. Would it be easy to, add, to create those questions? 
no, because it will require a lot more creativity to get a pool of questions that are about the same level of difficulty. But I think that's what you need to make the program really of, of a high quality, because then you don't just pass because you can memorize, you pass because you know your stuff, because you're able to synthesize information that is not obvious. So one of the two would make sense. But now it's necessary is kind of in this middle ground where yeah, it looks like you pay for it, so you feel like it's worth something, but really the exam is not worth that much. You can pass it without knowing that much. You can fail it even though you know so much. So it's like, yeah. All right. So I have another question for you, Chidi. So based on the survey, has that changed your strategy for NetSuite Insights? Like, do you think that's going to change the direction that you take that in? Um. That's a good one. That's a good question. Not really, because I'm still honestly trying to figure out what what makes sense to, um, I mean, how the community reacts really, right? Because at the end of the day, I believe that there's room to improve. We all believe there's room to improve. Um, but if you have great ideas or you have great content and it doesn't get to the people that need it, is not you've not made much difference right so on the one hand create the content we i'm creating and, and i'm happy that a few people have also come on board to write articles and stuff like that i think the content is 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 going the way i'd like it to go but the question is just how i'm still trying to figure out like how do i make sure that this is getting to the right people and triggering them in the right ways right not like making them feel like i have the answers so that they can come to me because i've had a few of the, a few people just reach out to me and kind of say, okay, I saw this article. Can you do this for me? And I'm like, well, that's not the intention. I'm not trying to, well, pose like I know, or just tell you what I know. But I'm trying to hopefully trigger you to, um, you know, explore and, and share what you're learning so that we all benefit from it. So I don't have the answers yet. The, the survey helped me see, I mean, confirm what I've already seen that people seem just to look and observe and you know hit a small like on it and go their way. Um, which I feel is not enough to get where we want to be, but I don't know the answer yet, to be honest. The survey hasn't helped me solve that. Otherwise, I probably would have had 1,000 responses anyways. <laughs> You're not alone. I have observed observed exactly the same thing in the, in the community. Very quiet, very closed. Yeah, and, you know, something else that I, you know, I've commented, commented this to, to Eric before, which is that, you know, on my blog, especially when I like announce a blog post and I announce it, say on LinkedIn, it's the posts that I think, you know, there's maybe three other people in the world that'll care about this. And those will be the ones that take off. You know, they'll, I don't want to say they'll go viral because I don't think anything ever really does anymore <laughs> on LinkedIn, but like it'll get the most reactions, right? And then it's the posts that I think will be popular that that aren't, you know, there's almost, it's almost like I, like I, I didn't even click, you know, send or whatever. And uh, so there's that part of it. And then there's some oddities that I've seen that have to do with um, like what day you post those things on or what time of day you post them on. So it's a really challenging thing, like trying to figure out what are people interested in? And I think like for me, it's just, I'm just going to post what I think is helpful. And hopefully people find it at some point when they need it. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it, the NetSuite community is, is challenging in that way. It's really hard to get a read on, you know, what people are interested in. So yeah. it's not definitely not just you. You know, Eric and I have seen it. And uh, I think I would love, though, to have, you know, found a way to get more people to uh, take the survey, you know, because clearly there's a lot of people out there who have those certifications, you know, we've seen them, like you said, you see them posted all the time on, on LinkedIn. Um, but I don't know. It's a, it's a, an interesting community for sure. Yeah. And so maybe it's also, I, I guess one way will be to compare this to, let's say a, a larger community like the javascript community of java community where i mean that is much more established i guess you have the same maybe the same ratios even but the fact that netflix the netflix community has this i think it has this historic historic um uh, um 
tendency to be closed, where we feel like, you know, we're doing something really special that nobody understands, but it's, you know, it makes us unique. And, and so just taking that mindset into everything is, is kind of, I feel like it's working against us now because as the community is growing, I mean, people were happier to, I, I feel like people were happier just to, you know, like hide what they know and make themselves look like experts um, versus trying to say, well, well, what's the line between what makes me stand out? Because I'm not saying everybody, obviously it's, it's a business space. I'm not expecting everybody to throw everything they have there and uh, for free or anything like that. But I feel like even sometimes I've, I've, on LinkedIn, I've, a few times I've, I've poked people like, okay, they, they create an article and just scratch the surface. I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe you can say this, like someone doesn't need to come to you for expertise on something like this. If you've already decided to make an article, maybe just give global direction. Like, okay, this is how you could go about doing this. You don't have to give all the details on how you did it. And, and so I feel like it comes a bit from that place where people really want to have that desire to share or to help on the one hand, but they, they're still like, you know, trying to protect what they call their IP uh, to some extent. Um, which in most cases is not is not really IP to be honest. It's just if you if you poke enough long enough, you find out what they've done without even seeing. I mean, seeing their own implementation. But I think that concept is so strong, and I, I'm hoping that we're gonna. I, I don't know how we can get that push. You know, to say, look, let's be out there because we all, like Eric has said a couple of times, we all benefit when we all, you know, are better. It's not in any way going to uh, limit us or like he, he said some other time, like there are more customers to serve than, than, than professionals. So we shouldn't be afraid of, of the other person because we feel like if I share what I know, then suddenly you're better than me. You know? uh, but I feel like that's really strong in our community. And I think that's part of the, part of the challenge, really. Yeah, I think the quote we've used in the past is a rising tide lifts all ships or something along those lines. And we've also talked you know, in several episodes, just about how much opportunity is out there. And so, you know, if you're afraid of your competition, I don't know, I guess it's easy to say it, but, you know, it's like, there's more opportunity out there than there are people to fill it. And I'm sure you guys see it. I, I know I do, whether it's, you know, from potential customers reaching out or, um, you know, recruiters that are reaching out to you about different positions. There seems to be no lack of opportunity in the NetSuite space, but what there is a lack of, I think, is just people, you know, sharing their experiences and helping each other out. Um, you know, the Slack uh, community, I think, to some extent does help with that, but it's the questions that we see that get asked on there are usually so very specific, you know, and I think people are looking for specific answers instead of just a, well, you know, here's an approach that you might try or a resource that you might want to look into. In some cases, people that are asking those questions are actually, it's almost like they want you to write the script or write the query for them. And, you know, sometimes that's okay, but I think you're not really helping someone to learn by doing the work for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Indeed, that's, I mean, you guys have touched on this earlier in earlier episodes where we talk of stuff like mentorship. And I mean, it's just, it's just, I think it's just a, a testament of, of, of a particular quality level or lack of, of or lack thereof that makes people just call me like they get thrown into nets. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's also fair to understand how this is also quite straightforward to understand how this happens, right? Someone, most people come into NetSuite because their company, someone, some CFO somewhere decided for a system that they, had never heard of before that and then very soon they find themselves doing stuff in the system and then maybe having to pick up development even though they don't have that background and yeah you the thing with software development and that's the tricky part is you can you can learn it like you can't it's, it's not so easy to read a book and become a doctor by yourself in your house but you can read a book and become a software engineer uh, by yourself and do well but um, there's still that process. It doesn't replace the value of having people, you know, to talk to, um, to mentor you, to kind of, you know, help you see how things can be done differently. And, and then you compound that by the fact that most times we're just working as solo, solo developers. So you have one guy or one person as the admin or the developer in a company. So you don't really have people to, you know, to challenge you and to, to, to kind of run your thoughts by. And so what you, what you end up getting is people that are kind of almost wanting to be spoon-fed, right? Because they, 
they, they need help, they're alone, so they just drop. I need, this field is not showing, how can I get it uh, to show? Well, that's maybe not a good example because maybe it's because of NetSuite's uh, peculiarities, but I mean, people come with those very specific questions because they don't even have the time to look beyond their horizon and to think about the whole thing and to, to invest in knowledge and stuff like that. And I think that's where certification, well, not the certifications themselves, but the process of preparing could help because I think what that forces you to do if you do it right is to expose yourself to the system in a less, uh, in a more relaxed way. I mean, you probably still have an exam you wanna take and a deadline for it, but you're just studying and trying to know what's out there, what's possible. So that when you have a problem in the future, you, you have some tools in your toolbox already. But if you don't have that, then when the problem comes, you just run to Slack and hope that somebody um, is available to, kind of bail you out, but that doesn't get us where we want to be, right? If you have professionals that are called, that call themselves professionals, but just stick at that level of, you know what, Slack has my back and without Slack, I'm nothing. It's a good starting point, but it's not how you build a strong community, I guess. I think that's a very good point. Eric, you're awful quiet on that. <laughs> I'm... Uh, so first of all, I'm agreeing very hard <laughs> in my head, uh, but I, I'm I'm avoiding. I, I think there's this sort of thing. This the 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 problems we are talking about right now are actually a problem in like the larger software world in general. And I'm trying to avoid this very deep rabbit hole, but. If you look at, you know, you mentioned doctors or, you know, there's like lawyers or any, any number of professional communities out there. If you look at them, they have, um, you know, go on LinkedIn and you can see like lawyers are not sharing, oh, I got certified by some, uh, you know, like some company. They, they're, they're sharing, they got degrees from accredited universities or uh, they got their license from the bar, right? There's, there's a governing body. There's a professional organization who strictly exists to license professionals in that uh, profession. Software is not that. It is not a licensed, accredited profession. So yeah, you can just pick up a book or read a blog post and get a job. Uh, and... That's a huge, massive problem that I think the industry at large needs to address. Somehow I am not proclaiming to have any answers because that is a massive problem. But I, I think that's what we see with certification. You know, you can see it in whether it's AWS or Salesforce or NetSuite, you see people posting these certifications all the time that are basically meaningless because they're not, they're from just you know some website you took a javascript course on some website that is basically meaningless in the larger profession and that's we just sort of following along and you know they have they have the check boxes right they offer certifications check but again they're pretty meaningless in the actual uh practice of the profession of the job so i, I don't know what the answer is that the soapbox I was avoiding. <laughs> I was so quiet. I think you bring up a good point though. And, and it's a, you know, it's a very valuable insight that you gave there. And yeah, we could, you know, it's definitely a rabbit hole that we could go down. I don't know the answer. I don't think anybody really does. And I suspect that if, you know, the, the solution to it is probably complex and expensive and will be met with, um, you know, a lot of resistance. Uh, it's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Yeah. The other side is also an opportunity, right? Let's, let's, I mean, I, I think it's also, also some, the other, the flip side is something to be grateful for. Like the fact that I can become a doctor, maybe that's good. I don't want to kill people because I read a book and I didn't, you know, get to practice. But the fact that software is such that with a computer and a book or the right resource, you can start means that people can get in, people who have the potential can get in. I think the challenge is then when you get in and get somewhat comfortable, um, that's, where the, that's where the big risk is. And when I look at Nestle, coming back a bit to the Slack, I've been, I think I mentioned just before we went on, like I'm a bit frustrated with just using the Slack community as a, as a whole, simply because it's, 
it's so, um, I mean, first of all, I, I have my, my thing with Slack. Slack just seems to distract me. And so I, I, do, I just avoid it as much as I can. But the thing is, there is so high volume message in there. I mean, Slack was meant, meant not to share knowledge, really. Slack was meant, I, I think, it's never good at like really organizing knowledge that needs to, to persist beyond the conversation. Um, and so a, a few times I've asked questions and I get answers. And then um, next time I need to refer to something, um, like the article I wrote today, I needed to refer to a conversation we had. And it's like so hard to find because I can't even drop, even if I know the exact words I used, I can't even drop it in Google and hope that Google will find it because obviously it's not indexed and, and, and stuff like that. And so people keep asking the same questions over and over again. I know we've talked about some of these limitations, so I don't want to like dwell on repeating them, but I've just been wondering, like, is there something we can do differently? Like, is there a way to kind of move away from that that the paradigm we have now where people just come and hang out and some people are talking and there's sometimes so much talk that you cannot even get um, um, attention per se, or you get attention, but tomorrow you can't find the answer because it's, it's, it's kind of gone so down in the trend. Um, I was just wondering what you guys think. I know you guys both obviously um, hang out there uh, quite a bit, maybe more than I do, and obviously have your your opinions as well. Like, how can we move forward? Not necessarily what are the problems. We know the problems, uh, but I, I'm, I'm seeking for alternative solutions, open space. I don't know. Stack Overflow, what? Yeah, I guess I share your frustrations with Slack, especially with it being potential, you know, distraction. Um, you know, I, I don't keep it open all the time. I'm not on it as much as I think a lot of people would think, um, and for and for various reasons, but mostly because I do think it's easy to just, you know, it becomes a point of um, distraction that I I, I don't need <laughs> for sure. I think for me personally, you know, the way that I try to solve some of the problems that you mentioned, you know, is one through my blog, I just try to share what I've learned and what I think might help somebody else, whether it's sooner or later, you know, if it's on, if it's in my blog, hopefully it gets indexed by Google and somebody that's trying to solve the same problem or a similar problem to one that I worked on, you know, maybe there's some insight there in that post. Um, also, in the, in the process of writing those blog posts, it, it makes me think a little bit harder about the solution that I came up with. It, you know, it makes me communicate it better, which makes me just like, it solidifies it in my mind. You know, was it really the best solution? Did I do something wrong? Um, but then, yeah, I guess on a more personal level, I guess, and Eric brings this up a lot, I think it's, you know, we have to be constantly learning and pushing ourselves individually, you know, to be better developers and, you know, better, you know, software professionals in general. Um, nobody's going to force us to do that. It's, and you have to be passionate enough about it and care enough to, to do that, obviously. Um, I love what I do and the better that I get at it or, you know, whatever, try to get it, get better at it, you know, that, brings me joy because it means I can do my job better, hopefully. And, you know, it's just generally a good thing. So it doesn't really answer your question because it doesn't help the larger community, but maybe it guides or gives some people some in, um, an approach again on an individual level, share what, you know, I guess that's kind of a good way to sum it up and just keep learning. Yeah. I don't have any answers either. If I, I think if I knew how to answer the question, how do you force an entire market to ask their questions in the same place? Uh, I would be a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that's what it would take, right? It would take sort of the vast majority of, of the, the market, the, the niche sort of aligning on one spot, right? We all go to Stack Overflow or we all go to netsuiteprofessionals.com or we all go to NetSuite Insights. I don't know how you do that. I don't even know if that's possible. And it would yeah. also require, so you, you know, you're totally right about Slack where it's very distracting. It's very high volume. And the, the people who are, you're, you're posting in Slack because you want a fast answer. If you go post on a subreddit or Stack Overflow or whatever, you're not expecting like a real time, you know, fast answer. Yeah. It would require them to be 
patient, right? And, and be in a position where they can wait for an answer. And a lot of times that's not the type of question that's being asked. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. no answers here, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I'm still, I said it once, I think once you, you posted on LinkedIn and I was in, in one of those moods, so I reacted, which is something I uh, do sometimes just say what I think without refining sure. it. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like if we want to go that way and it's probably radical, it's probably going to disrupt a bit, but if we feel like that's the way to go, and I'm just saying we in a general sense here as Nestle community, like that, the fact that people are coming for quick answers is already a bad sign. Like people are not either taking the time to think things mm-hmm. through themselves or they are waiting so, for so late in the process that then they have no, no, no slack, pun intended, no slack to, to actually you know, wait for an answer. Then I'll say maybe that's a reason to kill the Slack channel and say, well, you go ask a question where you maybe need to wait for half an hour. But if we all go there, or if we kill this this um, this this space, then we'll be forced to either die out completely, which I think would happen, or we'll be forced to go to those less uh, you know fast-paced, less instant messaging uh, solutions where you're forced to think for yourself because you ask a question, you have to wait four hours. In that process, you have to think about it or wait, and maybe you think about it, solve it, and then hopefully you learn to give to feedback your answer and stuff but okay that's very radical i'm not i'm, I'm I, I could do it if i was the one who won the slack but luckily i don't so everybody relax maybe nothing like that's ever gonna happen but really i feel like it might take sort of radical steps to just say you know we're gonna just close this thing for a while see what happens six months if it doesn't work and everybody feels distraught and uh, disoriented we probably reopen it otherwise um, it was good for what it was because I'm sure when it was created, it was it was a very small community. Nobody expected it to have this, you know, side effects. Slack was probably still very new, but now we've seen like so many years. We probably could consider that. But okay, I don't want to um, I don't want to step on too many toes here. But that would be my my uh, my first reaction. Like just close it and see what happens. Right. Well, I don't want to follow that. <laughs> and I, conveniently we have a, a hard stop coming up here in a couple minutes yeah well Chidi it really has been good having you you know back on and I appreciate you taking not only taking on conducting this survey um, but coming in and, and sharing you know what you've learned it's it's been an eye-opener some of it surprising some of it not I guess and uh, again thank you um, thank you too. So let's, I don't know if you remember, but, uh, you know, we try to do a cool thing every week and um, something that we've found that we're, you know, thought was kind of interesting and worth sharing. Do you have anything like that for us? Yes. Last time I didn't, this time I have something. (laughs) I think you guys have mentioned it before. Um, I don't know if it was one of the guests, but basically the, the value, even as a developer to get basic accounting knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I've come to appreciate more and more. And I found a resource that, I, that has been very helpful to me. It's called accountingcoach.com. I have no affiliation with this, this company, but I found them online and they have great free courses explained in real human terms. So you, with real people and personas so that as a non-accountant, you get a, a basic idea of what accounting is about and how it matters and how it relates to what you're doing. So I've been taking these courses um, uh, for the past months. And last time I actually forgot to mention, but I would say any developer, anyone in the NetSuite space, NetSuite is basically a financial system. So anything you're doing, you would benefit from knowing a bit of debits and credits, a bit of the financial uh, aspects and accountingcoach.com could be one of those resources that I would recommend um, just because it has helped me tremendously. And they have a very good free offering as well. So check it out if, you, if you're if you looking for something to learn accounting. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Eric, do you have anything? I do. I am. Uh, I think I mentioned last time uh, I'm, uh, I'm sort of going about reading or books that I'm reading that I am trying to, to make actionable, right? Uh, so nonfiction or business books that I'm trying to turn into action. I'm sort of reading them in a different way. And recently I've come across the, a couple of different systems for taking and organizing notes and then refining those notes into sort of usable, actionable knowledge and keeping them again, organized. 
So these two systems I've come across recently, I'm not actually practicing them yet, but I find them very interesting. So I'm, I'm researching them. So one is a, a sort of note-taking and organization system called Zettelkasten. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. I'm not going to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, so that's a system for sort of organizing notes in more of a, rather than Normally what we do is we sort of, you know, we have this stream of consciousness and we write and then either those notes are lost to time or we can't keep them organized or we sort of categorize them. And then inevitably our categories are wrong and we can't go back and find stuff. Uh, so instead, this is more of a, a networked thought, sort of you build this web of organization rather than sort of this hierarchical categorization. Anyway, Zettelkasten, very interesting system. And then uh, also a system called progressive summarization. So that's more of, of taking sort of whatever you take in, whether you're reading a book or a blog post or any information really that you're taking in, how do you uh, refine that? First of all, take that and, and pull out the important points, the things that resonate with you, and then refine those into sort of actionable and memorable information so that you're not just reading something and then it vanishes into the ether and you say, oh, that was interesting. And then it doesn't change your life in any way or, you know, you never act on it. Uh, so those two systems, I have a link to a, a blog post that that sort of walks through all of them in general that I will link to in the show notes. Very cool. All right. So uh, mine is actually a blog post that was on the HTTP toolkit site, which I'm sure everybody's listening goes to all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> irony, pun intended, all that good stuff. But uh, the title of the blog post is HTTP WTF. And um, it has some interesting information about the HTTP protocol. I thought I knew a lot about HTTP. Um, I think I do, but some of the stuff that's in that post I'd never heard of before, like HTTP trailers, which is kind of the opposite of headers. Um, I'd always wondered why the referrer header was spelled incorrectly, and it kind of explains how that came to be and why it stuck. Um, and then for those of you out there who've ever had to deal with WebSockets, and I have, um, there's this one sort of weird aspect to them where Every WebSocket request has a strange, fixed, ra seemingly random UUID, but it's not. And why it is that we use that single, fixed, random, in air quotes, UUID. And there's a lot more in that article that I found fascinating. So it's definitely one of my geekier shares, but um, it, it was interesting nonetheless. So if you are a web developer or do any kind of development using HTTP, um, using that protocol, then I think you'll probably find something in there that'll, you know, you might be like, ah, oh, now I get it. <laughs> so that's, that's mine. All right. We will wrap it up here. Chidi, thank you so much for, first of all, coming on the show again and tolerating us. And secondly, an even bigger thank you for just all your efforts in the community to share what you know and encourage other people to do the same. My pleasure. If you give me a second here, I forgot to mention the, the survey stays open. I've decided to leave it open. So if anyone is listening and thinking, I still want to take it, you can still uh, uh, take it. And the results will just keep uh, aggregating and hopefully the insights would get richer. Absolutely. And we will link to the survey in the show notes. If you have not taken it, please do. Well, thanks again, Chidi. Thank yes, you so much. Thank you. And join us next time for another Sweet Script story. <laughs>